Wake up, America's in the building. Jeff, are you in the house? I'm in the house, brother E. Well, you know, Jeff, it's, we had to call it late because this uh, this has been happening for a couple of days now, and uh, the violence we're seeing in America uh, off the heels of a, a tragic loss of life of George Floyd by the police department in Minneapolis, and uh, I think it's really time to have the discussion on police brutality, racism in America, and the the real lack of leadership that's kind of brought us to this point where we're at right now. And there's a lot of anger, but the, the looting and the violence will not get us anywhere. Now, I understand the frustration, uh, but I think the way we're trying to get the message across uh, got lost somewhere. And as I, I say, we're we're sending a poor example to our younger generation because they're watching and they're seeing us as adults and how we're handling our differences. So how do we expect the younger generation to do better when we can't do better? So uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to fall back for a minute, Jeff, and I'm going to let you take lead. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's well, well put by the way. And, you know, me as a, on the younger generation side of things, I think we can actually sympathize with you on this. If it's one thing the old generation, the new generation can agree on, it's definitely, you know, this as far as, you know, oppression and, you know, systematic racism and, you know, the the, the police being, you know, police brutality, police, uh, you know, lack of justice in the police force. And, you know, it's it's been something that's been going on for generations and generations. You know, we must... You know, we must remind people and that but you're right. You know, I wouldn't say just the older generation or we're setting a bad example. I think all of us play a part in this and I think we're all angry and we're all frustrated. We've been through a lot this year, yeah, a lot, and, you know, starting with COVID. It, it affected our community a lot. We lost a lot of friends. We lost a lot right. of doctors, a lot of college graduates, family. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's a rough 2020, man. And and I just think people are tired. And I think it's more, I think these protests are more, more than about police brutality and oppression and Black Lives Matter. It's, it's, it's economical, I believe. It's social. It's psychological. Mm-hmm. And it's mental. And, you know, like you said, the lack of leadership. And we ain't just talking about Pennsylvania Avenue. I think it goes from Pennsylvania Avenue all the way down to local. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. don't really see any leaders in our community either. I'm talking about leaders that can make change directly. You know, politicians, you know, people ahead of uh, boards and, you know, so forth, other municipalities. Right. And, well, you know, I, 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 empathize, I emphasize with your, you know, with your arguments and your feelings, man. Well, well like Tip O'Neill said it, uh, it all starts local. All politics start local. And if you don't have your so-called leaders stepping out to condemn what they see is going on, that is problematic. Now, in the 50s and the 60s, our churches were far more vocal. Our churches were far more involved in, in healing and bringing people together. I don't see that anymore. How do you feel about that? Um, I actually feel the same. Uh me being someone who was a churchgoer a lot as a kid, you know, I was, I was raised a Catholic, I was baptized a Catholic, and you know, I was, I was introduced to the Catholic Church as a kid, and you know, there was actually, you know, aside from religion aspect, church played more than just a religious part in the community. It played a big role in how we developed ourselves. Um, it played a role in providing programs for everyone of all races and all religions. You didn't have to be in, in that particular religion to, to get that type of service. Very and true. Our priests, our pastors, you know, our altars, uh, and, you know, all our sister church sisters and church brothers, they were active in the community. They were involved. They were, they were out there on the ground. And, and it, it kind of, the churches in a way back then kind of gave the community a voice. It kind of gave a reason for the community. And I just don't but, see that anymore. Absolutely. Everyone is taking a, a back step and 
And it's almost like the U.S. Open and everybody in the stand is just watching the players hit the ball back and forth, you know. But this is not a game. You know, you're talking about lives. You're talking about destruction of cities. Uh, uh, build, churches are being burned. Stores are being looted, you know. And I have to constantly uh, flip the channel when my kids are coming in. They already know what's going on. They're already asking me of course. the questions. You know, and on top of them having the mental trauma of being locked down in their homes for months with this COVID, and now they're seeing all of these violence on television. Uh, I don't recall seeing that when I was eight years old. I'm sure it was going on, but I didn't see it. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's a good touchy thing. You know, the lockdowns is another thing that I think is going unnoticed in the media right now because everything's transpiring so quickly with the riots and the, and the, the looting and the tensions between the police and the, and the communities. And the lockdown also plays in a, a big role, in my opinion, on this. And, and people, you, when you shelter people in place for a while, remember the unemployment rate right now in America is just above 15.1% right now. Wow. And counting. We'll know the new numbers by Monday, of course. But, you know, you got to understand, too, after the virus, people have lost loved ones. So people are already angry about that. The economy was already crashing. It has crashed. People have lost their jobs. So now they're sitting at home, hopeless or hoping for something to get better. And then we have something like this where a man dies in the hands of a police custody, unarmed, no longer a threat and they kill him and then you know what people are just tired of one thing and now they're just tired of the other and there's only but so much you can do to somebody before they before they snap i I agree but you said after the virus we're still in a pandemic so the virus is still here right 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 sorry about my word choice and we're in the streets like uh it doesn't exist anymore so i'm wondering what kind of effect that's going to have nationwide. And, and, you know, that's another thing, too, because everyone can talk about the looting, the protests and the destroying of property and stuff like that. But I don't see anybody talking about second wave concerns anymore or cases going up. And I, I mean, still, the virus is not gone, people. Correct. It's, it's still early, though. It is. It is. But I mean, the re- I mean, in a week or so, they well, according to CDC, if you want to believe everything they say now, but you know, we're not going to go there. That's not what the topic of discussion is. But they say it only takes two to 14 days to show symptoms. We're now, what, in day four of the protesting? So we're getting really close to the edge where, you know, I just hope a lot of those people out there being safe, wearing <laughs> their mask. And uh, I mean, people are going to get sick, man. I just hate to say it. It's going to get sick. Here's what I'm I'm seeing going on. I think that if we think this is bad, I think come November 4th, whether Trump loses or wins, I think we're going to see a repeat, if not far worse than what we're seeing today. Now, let's look at the dynamics. First, we had peaceful protests. Then we have these agitators that are coming from all over the country. Some say it's Antifa. Uh, the governor of Minneapolis, uh, of Minnesota is saying white supremacists are, are infiltrating and causing violence and doing things. So there are a lot more agitators on the scenes than we can imagine. And all you have to do is look at your TV sets real closely and see what's going on here. Uh, you know, another thing to piggyback off that, I was watching a video on Twitter the other day and I seen a man come outside his Volkswagen in D.C., Probably the mm. probably the one place you probably don't want to be a white person and stand outside and think you're almighty, and, mm. and you know because it's a predominantly minority city, and, and uh, sorry, districts not a city, and um, you know he gets out of his car in the middle of the road and starts pointing his crossbow at protesters. Oh wow! And, and I'm cr- like, okay, man, and he didn't wear any Trump gear, so I don't want to say he was a Trump supporter. Uh, you know, maybe we could say he's a racist. But 
he jumped out of he jumped out of the car, and I don't know what he thought he was going to do with that crossbow. But yeah, the protesters had another idea for him, and it what? turned into a really bad, really really bad situation. Well, I think he was watching a little too many episodes of The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, he th- you know, I think he thought he was Dale or something, you know. You know, th- these are not zombies, and I'm uh, I'm sure they probably beat his ass. You oh, know, it was bad. I mean, I hope the man's alive. That's how bad it was. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people jumped on that guy. Wow. Well, I, I'm just, I think, you know, I'm seeing, we're seeing protests now in New York City uh, and Manhattan and Brooklyn. And I, I just, I'm, Antifa has been around since what? The early 50s. They, they, they originally were anti-fascist, uh, anti uh white supremacists and, and, and skinheads, they, they originally would go against those factions, but I, I'm seeing a, a level of anarchy coming from this group. I, like, I don't know. They're very well organized, and they move in, in numbers, and they move fast. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with, with social media. You know, the way uh, they're moving in, uh, on cities and really uh, not just them, uh, you have other factions out there, but uh, I'm I'm really wondering who's really behind Antifa. Uh, it's a, it's a good that's a good observation. I didn't know Antifa was that old, by the way. So thanks for the information. Oh. Yeah, that, uh, I've done some research. They've been around quite for quite some time, but they're not the only culprits at play. You have the, you have the Ku Klux Klan. You have. Uh, these uh, Aryan Nation skinheads, you have a lot of different factions that I think are trying to spark a race war. And that's the, if anything we don't need in America is a race war. So I'm just hoping that most of these, the energy burns out from these people and the police departments and the National Guard really stomp out the fire. I, I, I mean, you know, we have to be very careful with how we approach these situations because there's so many people out there. We can't really identify who's who. And, you know, at a military, I come from a military family. So, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people in the military and, you know, they have high ranks and, and stuff like that. And, you know, the Pentagon does not really look at things the way we're describing it. You know, like they don't care who Antifa, the white supremacists are. They don't care who the protesters are. They just know that, they have a civil unrest and we got to neutralize it. Absolutely. And, you know, the military is going to take no prisoners. And once they get that order, I mean, there's, there's going to be no repercussions for them once they get that order. Well, well, it goes back to, to leadership and for a president to go on Twitter and say, we have some great weapons to unleash on you. And we have some secret service agents that are just dying to, to get those that's not healing that's not trying to stop a bad situation and correct it i think that's reckless if you ask me no it's very reckless but we have to understand now the nature of the of the trump's presidency and the trump's campaign you know donald trump president uh you know the what was it president obama right before him you know there was a lot of tension between his campaign was rooted on if you hated Obama, then you need to vote for me because I'm going to be the opposite of Obama. So when someone says they're going to be the opposite of Obama, you have to think about who Obama is and what he stood for as a president. And now think about who would who would be the opposite of what Barack Obama was. And I just want to mention, too, that this stuff will happen during Remember the riots in Ferguson when um, Michael Brown was killed. Correct. Okay. And, uh, you know, the thing is, Obama never, ever spoke. To, towards looting and riots. He spoke against it as well. And at that time, Ferguson is a 97% black community in America. And you would think a black president would egg on his black brothers and sisters to cause a riot. Obama did the exact opposite. He told them this is not the way. Absolutely. And but I- the situation de-escalated eventually. I mean, yeah, you know, there's always going to be those people out there who are going to be loners, I call them. And they don't care what anybody tells them. They're going to do what they're going to do anyway. They, they look for opportunities. Right. Uh, 
to be criminals. <laughs> I mean, they're just elements out there that they don't really care uh, what the argument is over. If I have an, art, uh, an opportunity to take something that doesn't belong to me, uh, I'm going to do that. But the, we're seeing a lot of outside agitators destroying public and private property and, and looting and taking away uh, what a lot of these peaceful protests stood for. And, you, and you, I did. Right. I, I can't believe how fast it's moving nationwide. And, and I'm told that it's in other countries as well. Wow. Other countries now. Wow. You know, so now the United Nations has condemned uh, the killings of black and brown people by law enforcement in the United States. So now that's a world body uh, taking a stand. But if you look, and back in 2008, the FBI handed uh, Obama a, a memo stating that white supremacist groups are infiltrating police departments nationwide. And here we are in 2020, and I think we're seeing a lot of remnants of it. Now, it's kind of hard to police so many different police departments nationwide because you have so many uh, small departments, small cities, and they all have their own criteria. But I, we hold law enforcement to a higher standard. And just like if you were a school teacher and there was a school, a, a, a school teacher that was selling drugs to students or having sex with, with a student, that teacher that has knowledge of that should point out what's going wrong, and that teacher should be removed. The same applies with law enforcement. If you, I believe the majority of the police officers out there want to do the right thing, but you have these rotten apples but that are there doing the wrong things to people of color mainly, but I'm sure it's white people that may be experiencing or Asian people that may be in, experiencing injustice. It has to be rooted out. You cannot turn and pre present and act like you don't see what is going on. Like that officer stood there and watched his partner kill him for nine minutes. He did nothing. A EMT was trying to, you know, check a pulse, but they wouldn't allow her to do that. How do you feel about that, Jeff? Yeah, nah, you, 100%, I'm going to agree on that, regardless of what my political stance on. I think a lot of people who know me personally will know that I have the most utmost the respect most, for the NYPD where I live at, of course, I'm from New York, so... You know, the you thing know, is, I have a lot of respect for a lot of police officers in my city. So a lot of people would lead to believe that I'm going to take their side on certain issues. But that's just not going to be the case here when it comes to these situations. You know, and, and I I'm, I agree with you, man. They are, I think there are way more better cops than there are the bad ones that we see on social media and on these phones. The problem is, though, the, the magnitude of the bad that they do is going to always outweigh the good that the other cops do. So... Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, is that you're right, though. I have to hold other people accountable. And I just hope a lot of the officers who are listening to this podcast in my community don't take offense to what I'm going to say, because it's not directed towards anybody that it doesn't apply to. And what I'm going to say is, is that uh, the good cops going to have to start speaking out against this stuff. They're going to have to. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I want also to tell a lot of protesters out there, not even within my own community, but across the country or whoever this podcast somehow reaches to. Um, you guys need to also be there for those officers who are standing up against the police brutality. You guys need to also back them up, make sure they don't lose their jobs. Because remember, our whole mission here is to just hold it for accountability and for two to what to weave out these, these these officers who are out to hunt us and get us out. And take us out. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, you know, where we live, we have NCO officers who, who we know personally who come into our homes and laugh and, and eat with the, And we sit down and have meetings. And my two young boys see them and they know that these are good officers. And now when they're looking on television, they're asking me, Dad, what's going on? Why did that police officer do that? My 12-year-old you know, they're sharing this information via social media. Don't think your child doesn't know what going, what's going on because they mm -hmm. do. And, and my son said to me, he was like, Dad, that was very disturbing at, at what I saw. And he said, why did that police officer do that? I was like, that man 
should have never had that badge and should have never had that gun, uh, been in a position uh, of power. And, and, it, and it was a difficult conversation for me to yeah, have. You know, I could imagine what kind of conversation that would have between a parent and someone of your son's age. Because, you know, of course, you know, I know your sons personally. And, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're very good kids and they're very bright. So it'd be very hard for you to lie to them, you know, and just try to kind of diffuse and, it. You know, they're going to figure it and, out. And I, and I won't. And I won't because they're, they're going to inherit this world. And they need to know what is really going on out there at some point in time any person of color has to have a conversation with their children that most other races don't have to have with their children because they don't have those certain fears of when you walk out that door if you're going to come back home see it's not just the our children it's me and you jeff as well and it doesn't matter sometimes how you conduct yourself. Look at the, the, the brother Castile, uh, what year was in 2018? He was a licensed gun carrier. And he was telling the officer he had a license and, w- and was showing him his license. And he still lost his life, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. You know why, didn't the, why didn't the NRA stand up for him? Why didn't the NRA stand up for him? Mm. They remained quiet. I firmly believe in the Second Amendment. However, I think mentally disturbed people should not have weapons. Oh, well, of Simple course. as that. I mean, I, I, absolutely. You know, and I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment. And I think I've taken a strong stance on this about two weeks ago, if you don't remember. <laughs> I think I've yeah. lit up a, a very bad storm on social media as far as black gun ownership. And I was so glad yes. that right after I alarmed that, you know, Charlemagne the God from Power 105.1, he comes out and says he thinks that during this time now that black people need to be armed more than ever. But I, 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 I can, I'm sorry. Good. I, I concur. And, you know, before we came on this, on this, on this show, I was looking at a live stream and there's carnage taking place in, in, in Brooklyn by the Barclays. And uh, I see Eric Adams, uh, the, the Brooklyn borough president out there trying to stop people from doing what they're doing. How come we don't see these other elected officials? Where are they hiding? Hey, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I think I was on my live feed. Um, I, I, it's a shame so much has gone on. I forgot when I went live. I think it was about a couple of days ago. And, you know, I called them out on certain issues that were going on here because, you, like you said, when the protesters are doing their thing, you have those opportunists from other parts of the country that want to do bad. I also feel the same thing, same way about politicians, you know, where we come from on a local level. They seize the opportunity Absolutely. when everyone's distracted, taking care of their loved ones with better sick and, and are now fighting against police brutality. And then, you know, they just do stuff to us now that goes unnoticed. And, and I, I think they're I think they're all cowards, honestly, for, for doing stuff like that. And they're, they're not for us, period. They're not, us. They're not for us. Well, here's the thing. Because we have some very important elections coming up locally and nationally. And I think it's time for people to really take notice to who's standing up right now and who's sitting back and doing nothing. Because that is shameful that our young kids are out here taken to the streets because the leadership roles are vacant and not filled. And nothing is being said. Not only that, you got to also realize, too, who is speaking to these youth? Who is representing them? You know, who is fighting for them? (laughs) And and I'll be honest with you. Of course, we have youth leaders, but, you know, what are they doing either? You know, like you can't you you can't have a group of young people trying to figure it out on their own. I I mean, I'm talking I'm one of them and I don't have everything figured out in life. I agree. I agree. Um, I, th- there are some some young groups out there that are doing the right thing and and, and uh, they get their message across. But the overall leadership, like, where is it? You know, at, at one point I was watching during Obama's administration, there were so many angry so-called black leaders that were attacking him. But eight years later, when he uh, uh, when he's gone, and you got Trump going crazy, 
You don't hear a peep out of them. Well, the problem is, though, too, Ed, is that people thought that Obama was going to be the black savior. And <laughs> unfortunately, though, you know, I'm going to I'm going to ruffle a few feathers here and just say that Obama would never can never, ever be your your savior. Obama can help you, but Obama is not going to ever be your savior. And, and the problem I have with my community is and my black community is we're always waiting on somebody else to be our savior. When are we going to be our own savior? Absolutely. How are we go? Okay, yes. This is not to dispute. This is not to make an excuse about police brutality and, and social injustice and, and uh, you know, the lack of, of business ownership and the lack of wages that black people are receiving across the board. But what can we do to help ourselves? We are the highest economic consumer in the country. We spend roughly $2 trillion a year as black people in the economy. So don't give me that we don't have the power or the money or the resources to do stuff within our own community and help each, and help ourselves. Absolutely. When you have that kind of economic power, you're supposed to own every business in your community. I mean, we spend okay. more money than what Jeff Bezos is worth. Let that sink in <laughs> for a bit. And, and then so. Yeah. Why, and then why don't so. we start a black and, Amazon? As much as we spend, yeah. there should be one. Exactly. As much, you know, because you can talk on my people. Ed. I'm not attacking my people. I'm not trying to come off as a coon or anything. I just the, trying to get them to think for a second. Exactly. These are facts, and 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 you can't get mad every time a black person drops facts on you, especially like when Bill Cosby did it like 20 years ago, and everybody got mad at him, and and he didn't say anything that was untrue, and here we are. In 2020, and I am listening and, and rereading speeches from and books from Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and we're still at the same place. I don't get it. I, these men lost their lives trying to fight so we could have a better tomorrow. And here we are still repeating history again and again and again. You know, uh, and, and, and I'm going to throw some something in there that, that's totally unrelated. And uh, I was talking to my son and he's really into aliens and UFOs. He thinks, you know, they're here amongst us and have taken on our form. Yeah, so he said, to you know, when we were talking about it the other night when he was seeing this on television and he was like, I see why if they are here, why they don't want to let us know, because they see how we live and they see what we're doing. So they don't want to be a part of our society. I was speechless. <laughs> how old is he again? He's eight years old. He's in a third grade. I don't know, man. I hope, you, uh, I hope you're ready for a challenge and stuff because you might have a brainiac on your hands. Well, you know what? You can learn a lot from your children. You, you'd be surprised who you can learn from. <laughs> you, know, you might have an Elon Musk IQ person in your house, man. Well, I just think this this younger generation, I, I think they're exposed to far more. And I think they're just they're smarter and, and, and gifted. That's just my personal opinion. From what I see, you know, when my friend my, my son's friends come over and, and I listen to their, their conversations and I'm blown away. Oh, without a doubt. Some of the, the, these these kids are very intelligent now. Yeah, so I just you know, Jeff, I, I, I flipped almost every channel from different cities and every city I'm seeing, I, uh, you know, looting and the burning. And, and it's just it's just horrible. And then the outside agitators are using this as a catalyst. Those are the to ones further... that I'm really upset with, man, not to cut you off, man, is that like who drives four hours to throw a Molotov cocktail at police officers sitting in a car that are not even agitating the protest. They're just sitting there. They're not even out there pushing protesters. They're not moving their car. Who drives four hours down here to do something like that? Come to New York City to, to try to kill police. That, that's really sick. I mean, this, this is kind of sick what I'm going to say. You could have did that where you came from. Why did you have to come all the way down here and do that? You know, the, the, the job is as a police officer is dangerous enough. 
You know what I'm saying? And and it's like, it almost feels like, you know, uh, I've read some threads from officers who are totally against this rogue police officer who who murdered a man in, in, in cold blood, you know, with George Floyd. There's so many police officers that are speaking up now. And I was, I was, I, you know, I, when I saw a group of young kids, I forgot what city, but they were marching and they came across a sheriff's department and the kids were saying, march with us, march with us, march with us. And the sheriffs turned around, Jeff, and marched with the kids. You're seeing police officers that's a, that's taking a, a knee, a, taking a knee against this police protection. It see, has because to the stop. narrative out there, right, is that these people who are out there protesting are anti-police. And then that's not the case. Exactly. You know, exactly. They, 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 these, these people, they got, people got to understand something. Criminals still exist. Let's not get this twisted now, all right? For all you crazies out there who are saying that we don't need police at all and take them out of our neighborhoods, we'll be the same ones that will be crying for them later. So let's just be honest, okay? Exactly. Let's, be, let's keep it real for a second here. We're not saying that we don't want police and they shouldn't exist. What we're saying is, though, there should be the same accountability across the board. Exactly. What, what is happening is, is the bad officers are tainting a career and a yes. job. Of and, and, I, and I encourage a lot of minorities, not just blacks, but Hispanics and Asians to join the force. Because I think there's no exactly. other better way, Ed, to make a change than within. I, I, I agree with you. And, and, and I'm just saying that I hope that the other officers that stood by and watched this murder take place are brought up on charges because the first officer get murder in the third and uh, manslaughter. But then you had Giuliani come on and say this should have been murder in the first and all of the officers Giuliani, should have been brought up Giuliani on charge. Giuliani thinks that man should have first-degree murder? Giuliani, I was shocked to hear him say that. You think, think then people, and he what said, the hell is going on? Something, something's you going on. You got the most pro-police guy in the freaking world. I don't think there's anybody more pro-police than Giuliani, honestly. And this <laughs> man said, why is he right? not first-degree murder? Uh, come on, guys. I mean, let's go here. Conservative, liberal, whatever the hell you identify yourself. Like, come on, guys. Let's be honest. We keep it real here. But, but here's another thing, Jeff. When an officer has 18 cases of excessive force and he's still on the job, that's and that means our government and our system has failed us as citizens, not just as blacks and not just as whites. Citizens. That's a problem. What the hell is that, happening that, with that, America? What the hell is going on? That's a good I, question, I, I mean, Jeff. Yeah, on paper, we're still the world's superpower and we're the leader. But let's just be honest. Within ourselves, we are no superpower. We are no leading nation. Well, right now, we're the laughing stock of the world because everyone is watching. And this. a lot of this not, you know, a lot of this is not only just Trump. We've had this problem for years and years that has came about. And it just seems like no matter who comes into power, they don't have Americans best interests at heart. When I say Americans, I'm not talking about white people, I'm not just talking about black people, I'm talking about everybody who makes this country what it is. And I'm sorry, man, I still I don't think there's anybody more patriotic than black people. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Because mm -hmm. I don't know how you can live in a country for decades and decades that can consistently just craps on you every day and doesn't treat you as you're as you're human. And you yet I still see these protesters who are black carrying that American flag like they're proud. Exactly. Let, let, let me tell you something. For anyone who is not a person of color who questioned why Colin Kaepernick took a knee, now you know why he took a knee. And it wasn't about disrespecting an American flag. Okay? It's about injustice to black and brown people. And that's why we are here where we are today. Because we don't want to have that conversation. We want to keep kicking the can down the road. But you know what? Our leader, our so-called leader, was striking matches 
and a barn filled with dynamite. And, and I don't really know why he wants to be so sinister like that. And it also makes me want to think now, too, who else is behind this? Because one man can't just make this all come true. It's not just one man behind well, all of this. No, no. And, and listen, listen, you, you can't. I don't lay all the blame on our president because America has always been racist. It's been built on racism. It's been built on suppression. It's been built on slavery. It's been built on, on, on putting American citizens in concentration camps. So we have a, a real dark history in America that people just don't really want to discuss. And that's part of well, the Well, I'm problem. glad you brought that up because I want that was the next thing I was going to say. I have a few white friends who live on other parts of the world, by the way. And a lot of them just seem to be on a different page than all of us when it comes to race relations. Now, I want everybody to listen to me carefully real fast. Don't think just because America is like this, that it's like this everywhere. It's a different magnitude. Now, racism does exist everywhere, without a doubt. But the way people view race is totally different in other places around the world. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, America is definitely, I have to say, the far worst. But I can't really speak too much on that because I've never lived anywhere else. But I think America is the core root of racism in the world. I don't think Europe is the center area of racism anymore like it used to be. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I think if we fix home, I really think if we fix home here, we can actually change the world in a positive way. Because I'm telling you, there is no world without the United States and China, as much as I hate to give China any credit. China and the U.S. kind of make the world go around, whether people want to hear that or not. And if we fail, everybody in the world fails. This is not an American issue. This is a world issue. It's a domino effect. And, and you know, it's, you know, when you speak of freedom, you know, sometimes I say to myself, you remove the chains, but how long have we really been free when you go from slavery to the Civil War, to Reconstruction, to Jim Crow, to the Civil Rights era, to the crack era of, of the 80s and, and, and the Rockefeller laws, to today? Have we really ever been free in America. I don't think so. I mean, me personally, I mean, I can't really speak on it. You know what? Let me be quiet. I can't speak on it. I'm very young still. I'm only 25. So. But you're well read. But you can you can so, give a better uh, synopsis on that than I can. So continue. But I mean, history is the best teacher. You know, if, if you look at it, the week before MLK was murdered, he said, I felt like I feel like I've led my people into a burning building. And that was coming from segregation to integration. Jeff, we had more wealth under segregation than we had with integration. That's a fact. fact. I mean, I I, you you were one of the first people that I spoke to who put me on to that, because at first I thought you was crazy when we first met. Not going to lie. I thought you was crazy when you told me that, hey, I think black people were better off in segregation. See, me, I had a lack of understanding because the education system I was brought up on is, is a lie and it failed me. And I used to sit here and say, oh, this guy did not just say segregation is a good thing. What the hell is wrong with this dude? And now I will go back and I'll do my research. I'm not going to lie. Of course, I could be a denier, but why not just research something? No one's really crazy. He's got to have some knowledge or something. So I go on the Internet, I'm reading, I'm reading, and I'm like, wait a second, under segregation, okay, yeah, it's wrong still to not be included with the whites on that side. Okay, cool, I can't be on their neighborhood, but damn, my neighborhood wasn't so bad. I had my own bank. We had our own banks. We had our own property. We had our own agriculture. You own your and your money and your dollar flipped around multiple times in your community. Yeah, you, had no, is everywhere. you had no other choice. It was, I don't. I didn't see much. Yeah. Of course, poverty exists in every nation and every economic system, but I didn't see that you know much. What? We we going off into another topic. Right, right, right. 
because that's that's all right, that's right. a whole that, other that couple could, of yeah, hours. That could take two hours to, to two days to talk about, but exactly. Uh, but I get your point. That, that is led it to But you know, I was watching a segment on CNN with 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 Spike Lee, and he was saying how he doesn't condone the looting and the violence, but he understands the anger and the frustration of not just Black America, but white America as well, and Asians, and Hispanics, and anyone that has been oppressed. It's time, listen, when are we going to become human beings? When is this bullshit going to stop? Because I'm fucking sick of it. Yes, I'm cursing. Sorry, man. Because I am a black man and I'm raising two young men, two young boys that are going to grow up into men. And I'm afraid of this world that they're going to inherit. You know, it's crazy because, um, you know, I usually don't talk about the personal things on 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 air, but I think it's it's needed in this in this sense. So, you know, I've been dating this female now for about eight to nine months already. And believe it Mm -hmm. or not, she's not a person of color. She's a Hispanic, but she's not a person of color. If everybody reads me, she falls more on the white European Hispanic side. And, you know, she's not she of course, she understands her roots. She tells me, I know I have black in me, but she says in society's appearance, I'm not black. That's for you guys to understand what I just said. But she says, hey, you know, what if I have kids? And I'm like, well, well, we ain't talking about this now. But she said, yo, if I have kids, they might be black, especially if it's with you. It, it's like, yo, how the hell am mm-hmm. I going to, I'm not going to be able to explain to them really, because yeah, I understand your guys fight. I'm on your side, but I don't really know what it feels like to be a person of color. And it kind of hit me. And mm. I just want, I understand where you're coming from, Ed, but I'm going to be honest with you. No one really knows how me and you feel because they're not us. And, and, you know, but it's good to have allies and I welcome them to be allies, but it's important for our allies to understand that you have to listen to us. If you're going to be on our side, it has to be what we say, because you don't really feel it. You see it, but you don't really feel it. Right. But, but, but you know, something, Jeff is one thing I do is I watch my children closely. I watch their interactions and, one thing about New York City is very diverse, especially where we are in Rockaway. And, you know, my kids go to private Catholic school and they have friends who are Asian, Hispanic, white, black, Indian, and they all play together and they've been growing up together. So this is a bit confusing to them. Of course. And that's not a bad thing, though. Let me touch on that, though. I really, truly believe that this will work itself out generations to come. If people, I mean, people will say I'm naive and, oh, yeah, you're crazy, Jeff. <laughs> you know, that's never going to happen, man. You live in la-la land. But I'm seeing it through your kids, and I'm seeing it when I was working in after-school programs. I, I think the, okay. the generation right behind me, because your kids are right behind my generation, that generation is very different. Mm-hmm. They don't see color. And I know that's like everybody's, whoa, 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 whoa now. Well, you mean you don't see no color? They better start seeing some color. Of course they know that they look different from each other. But the bottom line is they're cool with each other. Like they, they t- It seems like that generation judges people based off just who they are as a person and their character and their personality exactly. rather than what they look like. Jeff, you, you got to watch when you know like my fr- my kids have their little game nights and their buddies come over and and they spend a night at my house and you know they're polish or or or, or they're chinese or they're whether you know what and it's none of that name calling let me just tell you something racism is learned behavior, behavior. children do not come out hating other people it's their parents it's, it's it's the people who are raising them they're hearing their parents say things about other people that is not good and they grow up to and think that see, that's the way see, i'm glad you be. brought that up because i was kind of refrained from talking about that but i was not raised to hate white people i was not raised to hate other people because unfortunately though not unfortunately you know gracefully that I was grew up in a family that is very diverse. Like I have whites in my family. I have Hispanics. I have Jamaicans. I have Trinis. 
I have blacks, I have Native mm-hmm. Americans. So I was never really, to be honest, when I was younger, man, I wasn't, I wasn't too tuned on the racism stuff. I knew it exists. I knew it was a thing, of course, but I was never really exposed to a lot of that. So sometimes it's disheartening to hear from blacks and whites about how much they hate each other. And, and I'm like, hmm. you know what? And, and, you know, one side does have a great, they, they have a reason to be angry, man, but I just want p- black people to understand something, man. Like, yo, white, not all white people is our enemy either. I I agree. And, and that you're hitting right on, 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 on the truth. However, I think the hypocrisy in America has come to the forefront. And the world is seeing it. And it, and it doesn't, and it doesn't look good. So when you have the slogan, make America great again. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Very broad, but deep meaning. Great in what sense? Great for who? Right. Because if you're saying America, make America great again, are you going to make it great for everyone or just for one particular, you know, faction? Race of people. It, 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 It should be for everyone because... Here you are with a country with nothing but descendants of slaves and immigrants. And, and, and the, the indigenous that were murdered and forced off their lands. So who are you really making America you know great sad? for? You said that I honestly believe the character of who Donald Trump is, if he used that energy and that negativity vibe that he had to take care of everyone, every American in this country, some people might just ring up my phone or destroy me after saying this. That guy might be a very good president if he was to use the, the same rhetoric that he does now and how he's so able to reach people at a high ag- uh, magnitude that just imagine if he was a president that was for everyone. With his type of, with his type of I, Twitter I, reach, his type of like persona. Let's be honest, though, here. He's a great entertainer and he knows how to get people's attention. And he should have stayed on The Apprentice because this is the United States of America and this is not a goddamn reality right. show. And I think, though, yes, you guys are right. He creates a divide by the things he say. But I think he really thinks this is entertainment. I think he's truly entertained by what's going on. And I think this that's very sad and very dangerous. And now we're seeing... The fourth quarter with because two minutes left. Because think about what he's saying now. I understand people are people take him serious all the time because he's the president. But now I'm going to remove president as his title and think of Donald Trump. And when he writes something, we all know he's a very sarcastic, snarky New Yorker. Because we all got that in us. And we right. all got that in us. We're, we're you know we're very we're, we're very arrogant people by nature because our environment forces us to, and we're sarcastic human beings in New York. And, yo, when he says, you know what, they loot, we shoot, I don't really take that too literal, but I understand why people do because he's the president. But now I'm looking at Donald Trump as a character. When he says, well, you loot, we shoot, that's him saying, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. And let, 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 let it keep going. Yeah, 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 guys. Come on, fight, fight, fight. You know them, them people, them little punks in school? Fight, fight, fight. You know, they like to see everybody go, go at it. He is an agitator himself. He's one of those people. Exactly. But this is not right, a game. And I understand that. That, that I understand. Not excusing the behavior. You're, you're, playing, you're playing with people's lives. And, and, he's, and, he's, and uh, he's just, he's not a president material, yeah. man. He's an entertainer. That's it. Absolutely. He is. Now, I'm telling you to his face, man, I, you're a great entertainer, man. You should have stayed in that field. Well, now how are we going to dig ourselves out of this hole? That's and I'm the big be honest, question. man. People ain't going to like what I'm about to say either, but Joe Biden ain't the answer either. But I think I'll take a Joe Biden right now. Absolutely. And anybody yeah, but yeah. Trump, because yeah. we're, we're, we're I, headed I think in the America wrong direction. would be more comfortable with Sarah Palin right now as president than him. You might be right. <laughs> but, uh, um. You know, maybe it's time for 
a woman to get behind a wheel. And not Hillary. I'm sorry. You know, I'm never gonna like that woman. No, no. Well, she she she's she's had her moment and she's came in, you know, that 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 train left and I know the station a long time ago. I know every ago. day it hurts her that she's always been trying to be president and she lost to a black man, she lost to some loser, and she lost to some incompetent Jeff, she was a president for eight years. You think Clinton was calling the shots? I Come mean, on you know, now. A lot of people say that, man, but I don't think Bill was that dumb of a guy either. I didn't say she was dumb, but Hillary has a lot of unlikable qualities, but she's very oh, intelligent. Yeah, without a doubt. I can't, I can't get mad. That's an intelligent woman for sure. And to be honest with you, she has that snarkiness like Trump too to her, man. Those debates were hilarious, man. Absolutely, they were. But you know what? The joke's oh, over now. Over, we're in trouble. We're, we're in trouble. Oh, we we've been in trouble, and I just think though, for I'm just going to only speak for my people. And what I'm going to say to my people is, y'all could go out there and destroy the place all you want, but the only way you're going to make change is by going in within the system and beating them at their own game. You need to get out there and vote. You need to get out there and start getting those training programs. You need to go out there. I know some of you got different dreams and ambitions. Listen, we all can't be NBA and NFL stars. And I know that's the narrative that a lot of whites throw about us. But the reality is, yo, you can still dribble and you can still be smart with them law books and you can still be smart with, with becoming a politician and passing those legislations. You could be attorney generals. You could be police officers. You well, could be anything that this that this country has to offer to you. You just got to put your mind to it. Playing basketball and football is not the only way to get rich in America. Well, what I would like to say to all these young protesters, black, white, all around America today, is don't burn down the communities. Don't loot and destroy. You know what I'm saying? Go out and vote. And make a difference. You know what? Maybe we need an an, an army of legislators and and, and lawyers to come out and change what they don't, exactly and change what they don't like. Because I think we need term limits in in the in the Senate and in the House. They're there too long, Jeff. You should not be there for fifty years. No. And I mean, you know, the, the founding fathers, as racist as they were, they were very smart people, and they knew that. Stuff like this can just imagine if the president didn't have term limits. Imagine having Trump for ten for ten years, twelve years, fifteen years, yeah. sixteen years. Yeah, yeah, you know, it should have been the same for the representatives. We shouldn't have a rep for our area for as long as he's alive. Now, credit it doesn't have to be that way. We can we can. I said he. I apologize to all the women out there. He or she. You guys are more than capable as well. And. You know, why? Why are they in here for all? Like, we got some old geezers in there. I know you get mad when I say them things, man. But you got some people in there that's bent over backwards, man. They got to go, man. <laughs> Jeff, your euphemisms make you know, they, me they laugh. They fall asleep but, in know. the Senate, and, and they fall asleep in the House of Representatives. Man, they don't need their job no more. Why are they there? Well, I, 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 I tell everyone, if you... If, if I don't care how you got to get there in June and in November, but you need to come out and vote because we need to send a lot of people packing. We have bad representation. That's why we're here today. That's why we lost over 100,000 people to COVID-19. Okay? We were not prepared. And we're not prepared for what's going on now with the violence in America. What are we going to do to turn this around? Okay? If we're supposed to be the greatest nation on earth, we need to start acting like it. And because we're doing a bad example because our children are and the watching. World is watching. I understand. I understand the anger of the youth. I understand their frustration, and I'm not mad at them. But don't burn down and loot. There is a better way, but it starts with leadership. And we have bad leaderships in every level of government in this country. Vote. Vote. There are so many people in so many cities, mainly people of color, that if they had come out to vote, Trump would not be sitting in Washington right now. And you know that because I sent you the stats, oh, yeah. Jeff. I mean, all the battleground states, Florida, I'm going to go run through it really fast for you. 
you know, Michigan, 115,000 you know, 115, votes he won by. 200,000 black registered voters did not vote. Florida, he won by 110,000 votes. Florida has has about, let me see here, 750,000 registered black voters. 260,000 of them did not vote. We're going to go through Pennsylvania now, which was actually very shocking because Pennsylvania, I didn't know, actually has a very high population of black people. And I mean, these numbers are just sorry, guys. I lost my my paper trail here, but continue on it while I get the exact numbers. Oh, I got it here. I got it. So in Miami, the city of Miami has three hundred and seventy nine thousand blacks that did not vote that were registered. These again, this is not black people sitting on their behinds that never registered to vote. These are registered voters, people. So they they are aware that they they're they're eligible to vote. In Milwaukee, Trump won Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin, of course, by 23,000 votes, which is not a lot. In Milwaukee, 93,000 registered black voters did not vote in the city of Milwaukee, which is the biggest city in the state of Wisconsin. Miami, which has the largest population in the state of Florida, had 379,000. Time to vote. Time to vote. Where it's really time to be. vote. Where we should. the rioting not helping. Hmm. Sorry, the the protests. Go ahead, keep doing it. It does work, but that is just the cover page. You got to get deep into the book. Start voting, and start mobilizing Absolutely. your people into these circles. All right, you're right, Jeff. We got like. Two minutes to wrap it up, but you know what? We're going to come back tomorrow because this is definitely going to definitely. be continued. And what I could what I could say to America, we will rise from this dark era, and we need to respect everyone as human beings, whether your religion, your culture, your lifestyles are different. Respect everyone. And we, our legal system needs a, a, a shot of adrenaline because it's not working for everyone. It shouldn't work for just some. It should work for everyone. And we got two, a minute left, so I'm going to let Jeff wrap up, and I'll uh, see yeah, you guys thank, tomorrow. Thank you, Ed. I want to thank you for, you know, having me on all the time when we do these podcasts. I've been doing it for a year. So, you know, let's hopefully we can continue on. I just want to say I want to actually address my young people. Um. Definitely a big, big shout out to the old generation because you guys paved the way for us to have a voice. And we want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to continue on with this fight. But with that to be said, absolutely, us young people, we have to do better and we have to know how to channel our anger. And I know I'm the last person that should be talking, but I'm starting to realize as I get older and mature and start to analyze further on in my career and how I analyze the world. And that we could be angry. It is okay to be angry, but we're going to have to channel that anger towards something that is going to be positive and that's going to be beneficial to our little brothers and sisters and to our older generation who have given us this power and this continuation of life. And we were, we're going to have to speak up more. We're going to have to be more politically engaged. I know it may sound uncool to be talking about politics. I get it. It's better to talk about LeBron James, but the same way we talk about sports and video games, we can be doing with politics as well. And we can be out there 
we can give the, the games and Call of Duty a break for a little bit, and we can go out there and mobilize and, and, and create our own voice for the future. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Ed is not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. But we have a generation that is here that is behind us, and we, we got to do better for them. We, gotta, we can't be selfish. As a young generation, we can't be selfish. We got to look out for our older generation and our, and our newer. And that's all I got to say. I hope everybody stays safe and well. I know.